Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Good morning. I'm trying to make sure that this is actually, oh, it's not working. Hold on. All right. Are we working? I can't tell. It is. All right. Great. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning again. Um, welcome to Daily Dose. We are really thrilled to have a new to us guest on who we think uh, brings a very different perspective than anybody else we have talked to for lots and lots of reasons. So let's just bring him right yeah, on and get it. right to it. This is Eric Allen from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Eric, I've been to Coeur d'Alene. Oh, very nice. First, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate part it. Of the country. Thank you for joining us. Yes, we are you. excited to have you on. So Eric, we know that you had a goal this year of getting onto a hundred podcasts. Yep. What number is this one? This is number 99. 99. Well, that is a lot of podcasts to be on. Yeah. It's been a fun journey for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm <laughs> curious, what was the, why, why set that goal? What's the point of it? Great question. Yeah. So last year in 2020, I decided to try to get on as many podcasts as I could to really just help promote my show, to try to you know connect with other podcasters because I love connecting and networking with other podcasters. And I set a goal to do 50 and I did yep. 26 at the end of 2020. And I was like, okay. seriously, that's all I could do? And so I was like, all right, 2021, we're just going to do 100. And I really set that goal at 100 being like the stretch goal. Uh, so it's been it's been a cool journey to and you know and then to be here at number 99 and I'm scheduled through 110 at this point. I'm excited. That's right. incredible. When we started Daily Dose last year, we sort of said the same thing. We said let's just see if we can do 50 straight episodes, five days a week, and then we'll see. Yeah, well, yeah. you are episode 289, so I come guess on, we could do on. it. Come on. Yeah. So I, I think those stretch goals are important. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you working towards? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. So you must you must be a goal driven person, Eric, because this morning I watched one of your um, live streams or recordings on how you did uh, 45 minutes of cardio for 90 straight days. Yes. So clearly, you are a goal setter. And more importantly, you are a goal achiever. I, I try. Yeah. And you have a very low resting heartbeat too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, I definitely, I set. you know, I think anytime you set goals, right, you like set them for stretch goals, but then once you accomplish it, set another goal. Don't go, man, I'm done. Right. Like you got to keep going, keep always, yeah. always improving, always setting new goals. So I feel like that's a great way to start sort of the, the main purpose of this conversation, Eric, which is. When I first connected with you, I connected with you because your LinkedIn um, profile starts with homeless, addicted to drugs, bankrupt, pretty much at rock bottom at 19 years old. Yeah. And then you clearly set some goals and turned your life around. So can you just give us that journey from wherever you want to start to wherever you decided, all right, this is not the path for me? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it started really at an early age. You know, my, my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I, I'd never heard of divorce before. I didn't have any friends that got divorced before. 
And it was kind of a shock to my system, I think, because immediately my mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive. And I didn't understand why she decided to stay with that man. And I, I mean, I would watch him beat her up all the time. The cops would come. My mom wouldn't press charges. Do the same thing. Repeat, you know, rinse and repeat every time. And then they got pregnant and they decided to move myself and my sister who's four years younger than me to small town Stevensville, Montana. Population 1,200 people. Was, they rented this house on five acres. And this house had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my little brother who's just a few months old at that time, and then one for my sister. And so they said, Eric, you get to live in the garage. So I literally had this half plastic tarp uh, down half the garage that I slept on one half. The truck pulled into the garage on the other half. And I had a fireplace to kind of keep me semi-warm during the winters when we get negative degrees out there. Uh -huh. And uh, so, yeah, it was just crazy, you know, but the abuse continued. And at one point I did have to fight him off and, and bust him in the head a couple of times with a cast iron pan to stop him from beating up my mom. And at that point, uh, my mom kicked me out after that. So I had three months left in my freshman year of high school and I had to go live with some friends. Uh, basically slept on a hardwood floor at my buddy's house for the last three months of my freshman year before moving back to Washington to live with my dad. And, and really that set me on this path of 10 years of destruction of my life. And it was pretty crazy for sure. Wow. wow. That's, yeah. um, I didn't want to come out with this terrible. Yeah. That's, that's hard to reconcile from yeah. a mother's perspective. Wow. It was, yeah. It was pretty crazy. You know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I look yep. back now and I'm going, you know, that was definitely like crazy, abusive rejection. You know, I, I never saw it that way until I became an adult going, man, right. that was really bad parenting, you know, like, yep, uh, yep. but uh, yeah. And, and, you know, when I moved back to my dad, he rented a house for him and I, and he put 20 bucks in the cup for lunch money for the week and, you know, filled the freezer with hunger man meals and, you know, things like that. And then he would go stay with his girlfriend. So I literally had this house, basically my sophomore through senior year of high school, where I'd see my dad a couple of times in a month in passing. So I had no adult, you know, supervision or accountability or anything like that. So I was getting stoned before school at lunch, after school, I started getting into heavier drugs. I was taking acid mushrooms, you know, uh, morphine from the Dexter morphine cough syrup because it was cheaper than a hit of acid, you know? And, and then when I was 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington. But in 1998 at the time it was not. And, and I had to go to jail I had a black and white chain gang outfit on bright orange slippers and you know, it was interesting being 18 years old, 145 pounds, going to a jail cell for just 24 hours, but it was still pretty scary. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I finished out my senior year. And then two weeks after graduating, I woke up to a post-it note on the bathroom mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. We have 48 hours to get out. And so at that point, I'm like, well, crap, I got to move into this adult life real quick. Right. Yeah. And so I started just living with friends. And so between the age of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times uh, four days here, a week there, two weeks here, you know, all over the place. And then had a hundred bucks in my pocket and a friend had said, Hey, move to Seattle. So I moved up to Seattle. I was basically living off credit cards. And so by the time I'm 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. Oh, wow. Yeah. This story just sort of continues to, to <laughs> yeah. evolve in kind of remarkable ways. Yeah, it was quite an interesting journey for sure, you know, and I always wanted to move to Seattle to get into the music business. I don't know how to play anything, but I, I was always intrigued by music. I always loved concerts and things like that. I ended up uh, getting an internship with Universal Records, which was a dream of mine. And uh, I just showed up every day for six days a week, you know, and just walked in and started, you know, stuffing posters. And then after six months, they're like, all right, we'll just hire this guy. So they hired me on and 
during that time, I was able to go to two to three concerts a week. I had open tab and lived this rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. And uh, uh-huh. so there was this two year span the year before that I managed a band and, you know, my buddy, was the manager of a venue. So I two, two year span probably went to about 175 concerts and, you know, lived that rock star lifestyle for a while. And of course got laid off my one year anniversary from universal. It was during the, the days of Napster. Uh, oh, and sure. you know, so, <laughs> it's just crazy. And at that point, I just kind of went into a deep depression. I was working at Starbucks at night and I would get off work and go to my ghetto apartment, drink a six pack of beer and pass out and do the thing all over again. Didn't really have a lot of friends, just worked and, and drank myself to sleep every night. And so, uh, it was in my early twenties that I decided to make a change. Somebody walked into Starbucks and, uh, it was this girl and she said, Hey, uh, you know, we've got this cool college age event down in our church. Would you be interested in going? And I didn't have any friends. I was depressed and she was good looking. Absolutely. What time do I need to be there? You know, like that was my thoughts, you know? And, uh, you know, so I ended up going down to this church event. It was like, also I ran into guys that I like knew from school and my brief stint in college. It was like, dude, I haven't seen you in six years. I haven't seen you in, you know, seven years. And I think in that moment for me personally, God was planting a seed and, and trying to, you know, transition me away from this crazy life that I had. Yeah. And, a, and about a month later, it was Easter 2004, and I was out partying on Easter uh, the night before and, and woke up Easter morning. My buddy's basement surrounded by probably 15 guys. We had all just drank hard the night before. And I felt in that moment when I woke up that God was like, dude, you're going down this path that's going to end your life real quick. So you better start making some changes. And so I gave my life to Christ to that right there in my buddy's basement. I, I decided to make a change. I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And uh, called that girl up who invited me to that church event and said, hey, thanks for inviting me to that church event. Maybe I'll see you at the store sometime. And a month later, we were dating. And now we've been married for almost 17 years. Wow. Shut up. Uh, She's your wife? She's my wife, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, congratulations. Wow. I guess it worked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think it's funny how God just brings people in your life because her and I were actually both born at exactly the same minute on a birth certificate. It's 141 p.m. Different days, different years, but the exact same minute. Wow. Wow. You know, yep. I knew I knew this was going to have a happy ending. I'm glad it was that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a fun journey, man. It's been a real fun journey. And, you know, she came from a crazy household. I came from a crazy household. So we we kind of knew what we didn't want in marriage. We also yep. brought some yeah. junk with us, right? Like we had to work through that. And I had to, I ended up going through therapy in our early marriage, just trying to figure out why was I the way that I was. And, you know, we spent the first five years just being us and getting to know each other before we had kids. And it was fun, man. We traveled and we went down to Mexico and built homes for people and and just did really cool stuff just to get to know each other. And, you know, my kids are 11 and eight now. So it's, it's been fun. Wow. That is incredible. Okay. So Eric, you have this sort of extraordinary story (laughs) that, um, it, maybe the maybe the abuse and the trauma is not that unusual for people who've lived through it, but the overcoming it for many people is. So how have you um, how have you taken that lived experience, which is similar to some, but but you know most of us can't relate to that. Sure. How have you taken that and transitioned that into now being a person who's you know, a full-time dad and a husband and entrepreneur and podcaster and MMA enthusiast and clear beard grower. Well, yes, thank you. Um, (laughs) How how have you used that? How has that actually been an asset for you if it has been? Yeah, I mean, I think so. When I first decided to make that change, I had to surround myself with the right people, 
right? Mm-hmm. So I, I immediately got together with, found guys in this church that were living the life that I wanted to live. They had great marriages. They had great businesses. They they had great relationships with Christ. And I, without even realizing, I was almost interviewing them, but saying, hey, can I take you out to coffee? I want to understand your story. How did you get to where you're at? So number one, I had to take a step out of that environment that was allowing me to have full access to the drugs and the drinking and all that. But then I had to surround myself with the right people. And not even just like, like, Hey, I want to kiss your butt. Like, Hey, no, I seriously want to understand how did you get to where you're at and how can I do that in my own life? And so you have to surround yourself with the right people. And so it was a mindset thing for me. Once I realized that my past and other people's opinions do not define my future, man, it was a game changer. I was like, boom, now I can start making an impact on people. I can start sharing my story in a positive way. Yeah. I had to deal with that crap, but everybody kind of goes through something. It might not be exactly the same, but once we realize our environments, our, our, you know, our past environments, our parents' choices, other people's opinions, our past mistakes or choices, they don't define our future. We can make that change at any moment in our life. And so once I had that, I started putting stuff into play that was going to allow me to make get wins out of the way. And so uh, every day when I wake up, if I open my eyes, there's win number one. I'm alive. I get to see my family. I get to hold them again. I immediately have to th- have that thought when I open my eyes. I jump out of bed. I make my bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an awesome win. You stack those wins early, and then you just continue that throughout the day. Yeah, I I love that. I When Maz came home from rehab, he talked about bed making, which yeah. we've talked about a lot. But I, just just yesterday... I had a friend write to me and say, look, I don't think my drinking's a problem yet, but I think it could become a problem. And so I want to nip it in the bud before anything happens. Do you have any tips? And I called him and I said, the only thing I can tell you is figure out the equivalent to making the bed because his problem is an evening thing. So I said, when you come home from work, instead of reaching for the beer, what is that small win that you can say, all right, I did that. Now what's the next win? Yes. It must really be the way that, not just people in recovery are successful, but all of us, none of us can eat the whole elephant. Totally. You yeah. got to start with one little bite at a time. Yes. And I think so often we forget that we just sort of move into that overwhelmed. I can't do this. So I'll just go back to what I know. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love that you have, um, that you had that sort of lightning bolt moment. Yeah. On, on the night before Easter, which, you know, is probably not any, Terrific surprise as a person of faith. Sure. Um, yeah. But but that that wasn't enough. You had to then do the work. Yes. The lightning yes. bolt is the catalyst, but you still have to do the work. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So I I really love love your story and find it incredibly inspirational. So congratulations. First Thank of you. All. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. So now you have this this MMA thing. Talk to us about that. Tell us what MMA is for anybody watching who's who had to, who might have to look it up like I did. I had a general sense of what it was, but sure. not entirely. Yeah, MMA, it's mixed martial arts. Uh, most people probably know it as the UFC. Uh, that's a pretty big name out there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's guys and gals that are getting into a, a cage, literally, and having a fight. And then you win, and someone wins, and someone loses. But what I love about the sport is the respect between fighters. Win or loss, they know that they're not going in there. 99% of the time, it's not personal. It's business. Hey, you know what? We've got a job to do. Let's go out, put on a show, and we call it good. Shake hands afterwards, we move on. And so I love the aspect of respect. I love the the discipline that martial artists have. And I grew up like my dad would get pay-per-views of Mike Tyson. My dad would rent uh, ninja movies when I was a kid. 
didn't speak any English. He would just have these ninja movies rolling all the time. So as a kid, I always was in, like so excited to watch ninja movies or WWF, uh, you know, wrestling when I was a kid. And so I've always been this fan. I think I was a ninja for Halloween for like 15 years straight. Like I just was like it, everything ninja Bruce Lee. Like I wanted to be part of that, you know, and I'm not a personal fighter. I, I, you know, did some boxing and stuff like that as a kid a little bit, but nothing, no competitive. But so I started top rate May. Really, it was my wife's idea to come up with a name. I just said, hey, I want to do this MMA shirt thing. And she's like, hey, how about we come up with Top Rate MMA? And I was like, that's awesome. And so we started doing it. One more time, Eric. uh, Top Rated MMA. Top Rated. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so we started an apparel company. We did shirts. We did fight shorts. We did hoodies. All of that. We made a lot of business mistakes. We we bought a ton (laughs) of inventory. Didn't have a business plan. I just said, I'm going to buy all this stuff. It's going to all fly off the shelves. And it didn't. It, like, it kind of took off fast real quick because when we first launched, I actually hired a UFC fighter to come rep my gear at our first event that you know we were debuting at. And so everyone's like taking notice. So it took off real quick and then it whew, dropped real quick. Yeah. And in 2015, I got bored with the company. I literally put an ad in Craigslist and said, who wants to buy this thing? I'll sell you the equipment. I'll sell you the logos. I'll sell you everything. All the Twitter followers. I had like probably close to 10,000 at that time. And I said, I'll, I'll sell it. And one guy called me and in the middle of that call, I decided that I was not ready to quit. And so I didn't sell. And I spent the next year and a half, probably just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then in 2017, I said, I'm going to start a podcast. I want to ask fighters, why do you want to get punched in the face? And I was in a walk-in closet for almost my first hundred episodes. Didn't have a good mic. Didn't have a good camera, had horrible lighting. Didn't even look into the camera. And it was just like talking to You're people. You're making us feel better, oh, Eric. Yeah, I feel like a professional. Yeah, so it, it's been fun. And I, so now I'm, I think episode 249 or 250 comes out in just a couple of weeks. So, you know, humbly considered the number one MMA podcast out here in the Northwest where I'm at. And so I, I love being on that side. And I talk with up and coming MMA fighters from around the world. So a lot of them are amateur fighters or early pro fighters. I've had guys like Ken Shamrock and Chris Liebman, you know, some of those bigger names as well. But I really love to focus on the stories of those early up and coming fighters. So uh, why do they want to get punched in the face? <laughs> I was just about to ask that. <laughs> it, it's so interesting. So, I mean, I've heard stuff from like, hey, I grew up doing karate or wrestling and it transitioned MMA. The guys were like, dude, I have federal offenses and I can't go get a real job, but I can go get in a cage and fight somebody and put food on my table for my kids. And it's just that drive of people like, man, I know that if they're literally fighting to put food on the table and it blows my mind that they're willing to do that. But I love that they're doing that, too, because they're they're doing whatever it takes to provide for their family. And, you know, the other show that I have, the Eric Allen show, I asked the same question, like, why do you as entrepreneurs want to get punched in the face? Hopefully not physically, but virtually. Why do we keep going through bankruptcy and, and failures and rejection? No's. Why do we keep going? Right. And so I, I asked that same question on my other show. And, and it's so interesting to me to hear those entrepreneurs go, man, I have a goal and I have a dream and I'm going to keep fighting for it. No matter the no's, no matter what, I'm always going to provide for my family. I'm going to keep fighting for that goal, no matter what it takes. And so that's really why I think people continue to go. Why do they want to get punched in the face is they have this bigger goal than the physical pain that they'll deal with now. But they, they see that vision. They see that goal that they're going to keep fighting for. Hmm. That's really interesting. It is. It is very interesting. It's. Do you think that's part and parcel of how you manage to get on the the sobriety track by just willing to be punched in the face until you get it right? 
Totally. Yeah. It's a, you know, it, it, it's a, once you take that step of getting sober, you can't go back to your old self. You can't go back to your old environment, right? Like you have to make a decision and yeah, everybody can make choices and and decide, but then they have to take the action to actually do it. Like you spoke about earlier, right? Like we have to get out of that environment. And I think for, if you're trying to get sober or whatever it is, or increase in your business or whatnot, like you have to get around people that are going to lift you up. You have to find people that are living the life that you want to live and go and surround yourself with them. You know, one of the guys that I spoke with on my show that I actually won the, the Ed Milet Max Out Challenge, I got to have a phone call with Ed and it changed my life. And, and one of the things he told me that I have on my wall here, it says, canny, constant and never ending improvement. And so every day I'm trying oh. to improve myself. Yeah. I really love that. Um, you've made such a direct correlation because I've not thought of it this way between getting and staying sober and entrepreneurship. Right. You're right. I, there, there is that constant sense of potential failure, potential rejection. You might have this really intent goal, but if you're not if you're not following, you know, the right people, if you're not in the right mindset, if you're not doing things one way, you can easily fall back. And then it's like being at the top of the candy land board and drawing the the card at the bottom all right, the right. way back you go and you're starting over <laughs> again. So good. And, you know, I, I just I think there's something for people who don't suffer or who are not on the active recovery path because it's not been their experience. Yeah. This is a really great way to think about it and to say, oh, that helps me understand it. Because everybody sort of understands the goal of an entrepreneur, whether they are one or not. You sort of know that that's a pretty hefty uphill climb. Yeah. And you can go forward and back and forward and back many, many times. And so that's it's really interesting, Eric. Yeah. I think if you want to be successful in life, you've just got to be consistent with whatever it is that you're trying to go for. You know, for me, I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week and people are like, why the heck do you do that? And it's because my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep, period. So I know that when I get up at 4 a.m., I've got my vision wall that I'm looking at and that's pictures of my family. That's quotes. That's my future property. That's the money that I want. That's people that inspire me. And I look at that wall and I audibly say that out loud, the quotes, and I speak to my family on that and I speak affirmations. And I do that on a daily basis, seven days a week. It's a non-negotiable. Even when I'm traveling, I have photos of it. So I think if you have this goal in mind, you have to be consistently fighting and going towards that and keeping it on the the top of your mind always. So Eric, what's your goal? I want the property. (laughs) So, you know, I think my end goal is, is one, I want to be the best dad and the best husband. I don't care money wise or or whatnot, but I want to always provide for my family and my kids. They'll never have to experience the divorce word or the the life that I grew up. Right. I I think the legacy for me is I want to, I want to change. I want to break those chains of rejection and abuse, you know, and addictions and all that. Right. My kids will never have to experience that. But I think that the end goal, the fun, the funny fun goal that I have on my wall that I, I want is property. I want 20 plus acres. And I'm working towards that right now. And the reason I want 20 plus acres is not to say I have 20 plus acres. It's because I want to have the safe space for my family to ever to like escape the city or they need to get away from things, right? We can get away and we can shut everything down and we can go to this property. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have this funny cartoon on my wall and people laugh every time they walk in my, co- in my office, but it says, if I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. And, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I that's see that every morning and I go, boom, yes, that's what I want. And I, I literally have a picture of a house on property and I say to myself, I am the proud owner of 20 acres. Yep. I am, you know, my house sits in the middle of those 20 acres. You know, yep. like you have to start your day with I am statements, not just I will, but I am. And I think mm. that tricks your mind into to really fighting towards those goals on a daily basis. Nice. Okay. My last big question for you, unless Maz has anything. Talk about your beard, Eric. We we prefaced our introduction to you on Tuesday. I actually said I wasn't going to bring it up, but there you I go. know, but I, I just I said that you rival any Civil War picture I've ever seen. That is quite a beard. Thank you, and I love that. I appreciate that. That's an honor that you just said that. That's amazing. Um, I so I used to grow the beard when I first got married. I'd grow the beard for out for like thirty days, and I just shave it off. It wasn't for November. It was just like, hey, thirty days out of the year, I'm going to grow this beard out and then I'll shave it off. My wife will fall in love with me at the end of the day or at the, you know, when I shave it back. And when my daughter was like three or four years old, I shaved it off and she said, dad, I missed the beard. And I was like, I'm not shaving that off again. And so I've had the beard ever since. And it's always been about this length okay. and it's opened up doors for opportunities to speak. It's been opened up doors to, you know, I'm, my wife laughs at me, but I, I've become this beard model. If you search on Amazon, you'll see my picture on there with beard products because brands will reach out to me and say, Hey, can you do this video? So it's like this funny joke, like my dad's an Amazon model, right? And so it's just funny. Um, but the the beard is it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of made me and, and you know, it's, it's become who I am and I love it. Like not to the point where I'm like, ah, oh, look at my beard, but people recognize me as the beard and not that I need the like thing. But I think before I had the, like when I didn't have the beard, I was just a normal guy. And then mm -hmm. I still am a normal guy, but people recognize me a little bit more and it helps me in my brand. It helps me in my business. It helps me in my podcasting and things like that. Yeah. It makes me stand out a little bit. Uh, or a lot. Or <laughs> yeah, maybe a lot. <laughs> have you ever been to Sturgis, Eric? In I have South not. Dakota? I, heard oh, I feel awesome. like if you went to Sturgis, I don't know that you'd be that unique. No, you'd be lost. I mean, I've not been there, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a pretty serious beard culture during yeah. that motorcycle. Yeah, well, we've been, we've been through it when the motorcycle event has not ha been happening. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. So I I think if you and like about ten thousand other men would be sort of eyeing each other up, trying to decide whose beard is the longest. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. My wife thinks it's funny because we'll be out and, and guys will come up to me and go, "Hey, nice beard, dude." And my wife's like, "What? Do men just have like beard envy? They just want to come up and like touch your beard?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, in the big picture of all things to envy, that's not too bad. Right. Totally. <laughs> Well, Eric, this has been, it has um, been an absolute delight, really lovely, oh. really, really lovely. I think you're really inspirational, not just for what you have survived. Yeah, but what but, you're doing. Too. Yeah. And and the way that you have found a through line <clears throat> and um, the way that you've taken a pretty crummy start and and decided that that doesn't need to be your end. It was your start, but it doesn't need to be your end. You also survive. You, you don't appear to have any anger. In no. Soul no, so I, I think I had to other people right there. Oh, thank you. I, I, you know, for me, you have to let it go. Let the past go. You can't change it. Right. So you can, yeah. you can only get better each day. And one of the personal goals that I have on a daily basis outside of like waking up and really acknowledging that I'm alive. Right. But like, I want to put a smile on someone's face every day whether that's personal, like in, in person or virtually, if I'm out of the store or restaurant, those guys have name tags on for a reason, not to just complain, but like, man, Jim, thanks for ringing out my groceries, man. Hey, dude, thanks for bringing my food out to my table, man. Like 
we should always be like speaking to people's names because they like to hear their names. And a lot of times those guys that are in the service industry. They don't get acknowledged. They don't get recognized. And so if I can yeah. go out there and I can, you know, put a smile on someone's face today, man, that's a, that's a, that's a goal for me. Well, you've met it today. If yes. this is the only thing you do all day, we've smiled through the whole thing. So well done, Eric. Fantastic. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be here. You guys are amazing hosts. People need to be listening to your show for sure. Oh, oh thank, you. thank you. So I'm going to, I think, probably start to become some sort of mild MMA fan because I'm going to be checking your stuff out <laughs> too. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll talk soon, I hope, Eric. Um, Thanks we, so we, much. We're going to talk later about me growing a beard. Okay. We're not. <laughs> we're not. We're going to just use yours as an example and move on. <laughs> That's awesome. Good luck with over 100 podcasts as well. Yes. Yes, thank and thanks again for thank joining you. us. Yes, thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Everybody else, we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.